Welcome to our annual tradition at Utah Public Radio, the Axis Utah Holiday Special. I'm Tom Williams. I'm pleased to be joined by guitarist Mike Christiansen, who is now USU Professor Emeritus of, uh, of Music. That's a change, Mike, from last year when we had you in. It's been, it's been different. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit as we go along about uh, life and retirement. I understand it's busier than when you were uh, at, at USU. <laughs> yeah. so. And we have with us, uh, very pleased to bring in uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Daniel Bishop, a storyteller, professional storyteller from uh, Montpelier, Idaho. That's right. So we'll introduce him a little more uh, fully as we go along as well. We'll hear some great holiday music performed by Mike Christiansen and hear some stories performed by Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. Uh, Mike, let's, let's kick things off with, uh, with a tune. Listening to our annual tradition, the Axis Utah Holiday Special, Mike Christiansen on the guitar. Uh, so, Mike, I imagine uh, this time of year is especially busy for a musician. This is harvest season. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you're, you're playing a lot of gigs. A lot of gigs right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with all over the country. Yeah, I've been uh, doing some work with Consonus Music, so they haven't all been Christmas gig related. I'm putting uh, some guitar curriculum in the public schools around the United States, and uh, we've written a program that a lot of teachers are using. So I'm flying out and doing performances and clinics, training the teachers how to use our curriculum. Hmm. You were telling me before we went on the air about a gig. I guess this is a somewhat regular gig at the airport. Yeah, yeah, Salt Lake uh, International Airport. Uh, usually uh, get hired. It's the Lightwood Duo. Last year, Eric couldn't make it, so I did it solo, but usually it's the Lightwood Duo. We did it this year. We usually play right before Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, and then a couple of days before Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. right at their their rush hour time. Unless people, and, and you mentioned this, you know, people might say, uh, what is Mike come to. <laughs> I've had uh, colleagues come through the line and they go, really, Mike, has it come to this? And they think I'm playing for you know tips with my case open. But it's actually a really n- nice gig and the airport authority pays for it. And, and they they, uh, they arrange for musicians to ease jangled nerves? Is that what they're exactly. doing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty stressful place. Uh, mm-hmm. Airports and hospitals seem to be the yeah. two places where people are most stressed. So we play there at the security line and uh, which uh, playing by the security line has its perks. I get in really nice with the TSA. I know uh, I know all their favorite tunes. And, uh. <laughs> Very good. That does have its perks. And what's the reaction to people? 
Is it, what's, uh, that? what's the reaction that people have as they come through the line oh, and they, they hear the music? They seem to really enjoy it. I mean, we're taking requests and uh, mm. people are dancing sometimes in the line and mm. smiling and, uh, you know, saying some nice things when they come through the line mm. and they get they get into the music. We've actually had the some of the TSA people have actually had to kind of encourage them to get through the line <laughs> instead of listening to the tune. So it's yeah. it's been great. And people are are just wonderful down there. It's a... Uh, it's quite a character study when you play those mm-hmm. kinds of jobs. You see all kinds of people. Yeah, a lot. You'd, you'd play for a lot of people. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there are thousands, and it's uh, it's very interesting because it'll be packed, and then nobody, mm-hmm. and then it's packed, and then there's there's nobody. It really comes in surges. Yeah. Well, the things things you learn. I've never had that experience. I haven't traveled much recently, so probably yeah. It's it's a it's a great job. We like I said, we play at the security line, then we play over at the top of Concourse D there, where people are having layovers, and it's a very busy area. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a I love playing down there. It's a great mm-hmm. job, long but yeah. but very fun. Yeah, let's bring in uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. So you're you you live in uh, Montpelier, Idaho, right? Um, a lot of people won't have had the opportunity to talk with a professional storyteller. So maybe go to your some of your performances. How did you get into this? Well, as I said, you don't pick storytelling as a career. Storytelling picks you. Uh, it comes as, well, best way to explain it is if you see three children who got into trouble, one of them will admit, I got into trouble. One of them will lie about getting into trouble. And people like me... We'll tell a story about it. <laughs> you're the and third. You're the third. Uh, group. I'm the third group, <laughs> and so when you get into it, you really love talking with people, and you love the art of storytelling. Well, what else can you do? Yeah, very good. I imagine this time of year will be busy for you as well. You you get to gigs and so forth. Yeah, surprising. Starting on October 1st through the end of the year, that's when adults want to hear stories. Mm. The rest of the year, they think it's just for children, but. Mm. At that time, they want to hear ghost stories. They want to hear Christmas stories. They want to hear historic stories about Thanksgiving, and it's a wonderful time. Yeah, it's harvest season. Yeah. Uh, So just like Mike, yeah, it's harvest season right now. Uh, So where do you get the stories? Do you, you, I guess you find them, you you hear them from other people. Do do you write any? Where do you you get the stories? Stories come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do write them. Uh, I tell traditional stories. And, well, when you're living your life, every day is not a story. But when suddenly that day gets turned upside down, then you have a story and stories mm. come. So you, you do get some stories from your life then? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess most oh, everybody could. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's dramatic living life. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to uh, Daniel Bishop. He has a, uh, a uh, I think about a 10-minute story. We'll, uh, mm-hmm. Fascinated to, to hear this. Let's hear another piece of music.
by Chris Jansen on the guitar. Beautiful. Where uh, do you find arrangements? Do you write arrangements? Do you improvise? What do you yes. what do you do with this music? All all of the above. Okay. <laughs> yep, all of the above. Yeah. Some uh, some arrangements I I play that are uh, written by other other guitarists, but some of them I do. Uh, that arrangement of White Christmas is an arrangement that I did. But uh, there are some wonderful arrangements out there, and then there's some improvising that goes on too. Yeah. Do you ever get tired of this music? You'd air every year about this time. You're playing this music. Oh no, yeah, no, I I never get tired of it. And the nice thing about putting a little bit of improv into it, every time you play it, it's different. Uh, that that time I just when I played White Christmas, I've never played it that same way. Mm. It's always uh, just a, a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. We're, uh, we have Mike Christiansen, who is a USU professor emeritus of music, uh, guitarist extraordinaire with us, and we have Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. And uh, that is the composition of our uh, annual tradition, Access Utah Holiday Special. I'm Tom Williams. Daniel Bishop, I wonder, do you improvise? Do you, do you change things around in the middle of a middle of a concert? What do you call a storytelling oh, oh, uh, gig? Oh, a concert works. Concert, okay. Um, uh, any storyteller worth his salt will never tell the story the same way twice. Yeah, so it, that, so you're changing things up as you go along. Oh, you, you look at your audience, you see where they're reacting, you see what they like, and you're able to play with it. And stories are alive. They're not they're not like in a book where they're written in solid. Stories are the oral tradition, and they're always living, and they're always growing, and they're always shifting. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, it, it's always different. So let's hear your your first piece. Does this need set up, or is it self-explanatory? Well, this this is actually called the Christmas Storyteller. Uh, I figured it'd be a good one to introduce a lot of people to storytelling with, and, uh, well, it explains itself as it goes along. Here's Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. Once a long time ago, there was a storyteller, and he was a good storyteller. People would come from all across the land to his campfire to hear him tell stories. He was such a good storyteller that some people would come and ask him to join them in their homes, in their mansions, in their palaces, to tell their stories. But the storyteller lived in a nice, humble cottage with a good place to tell stories in the back. And he lived there with his wife and his young child and his little brown dog. And one day, there was a knock at the door. And as he opened the door, there stood the messenger of the king. And the messenger said, Storyteller, the king requests your presence at the palace to tell stories. Well, the storyteller's wife grabbed him by the arm and said, Dear, it is only a month before Christmas. If you go to the king, he will keep you there through Christmas, and we will not have you. The storyteller turned to his lovely wife and said, My dear, I promise you, I will be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. That is what is important. I promise I'll be home. But I cannot refuse the request of the king, so I will go. Well, he gathered his things, and he traveled with the messenger two days, a day, staying a night, and then going a day to the palace. And as he entered the throne room, the king welcomed him with great fanfare and asked him to tell stories to himself, the queen, and the royal family. And the storyteller did. And he told stories all that week. And at the end of the week, the king asked the storyteller to stay another week. And the storyteller did. And he told his stories, and he told his stories again and again to the king's request. Well, at the end of the second week, he began to get ready to go. But the king said, no, please stay one more week and tell us your stories. The storyteller agreed, and he told the stories again that week. At the end of the week, he told the king, I must be getting home. It is almost Christmas, and I need to be home. And the king said, you have time still. It only takes two days or all night and a day to get home. Why don't you stay a couple more days and tell us stories? The storyteller agreed. And again, he told his stories to the king and the queen and the royal family and all who came. And they enjoyed them very much. But now it was time for him to leave. And he went before the king and he said, Your Majesty, thank you for letting me tell you my stories, but I must go home. But the king did not want him to go home. He said, Please stay here and tell your Christmas stories to us on Christmas Day. The storyteller said, No, Your Majesty, 
I promised my wife and my child and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. The king said, Look, I have these sacks of gold. If you stay and tell me your Christmas stories on Christmas Day, you may have all of them. The storyteller looked at the gold and there was much, and he knew he could use it. But he looked at the king and said, Your Majesty, I promised my wife and my child and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire, so I must go. The king got angry and said, If you go, I will send my guards after you and they will bring you back and you will tell your stories in my dungeon. The storyteller stood tall, looked the king in the face and said, Your majesty, you must do what you must do. But I promised my wife and my child and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. And with that, the storyteller turned and left the throne room, walked out of the palace, and as he got across the drawbridge into the town, a snowflake landed on his face. And the snowflake looked at the storyteller and said, Storyteller, turn back, for I am the first of many. Tonight will not be a good night for travel. The storyteller looked at the snowflake and said, I must go on. For I promised my wife and my child and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. And the storyteller headed on. And the snowflakes began to fall, and they fell wet, thick, and heavy upon his head. As he got out of town and reached the fields before the forests, the wind began to blow and as the wind whipped past the storyteller's ear, he heard the wind say, Storyteller, turn back, for I am going to gale all night long, and with this snow it will not be a good night to travel. But the storyteller looked at the wind the best he could and said, I must go on, for I promised my wife, my child, and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. And on he trudged. He got to the forest just as the sun was setting. As the darkness set in and the wind blew, the trees whipped their branches across the path and so it was barely there. And the snow blew into the storyteller's face and the trees slapped about. And the trees said, Storyteller, the forest is a dangerous travel at night on the best of conditions. Tonight is no night for travel. But the storyteller looked at the trees and said, I must go on. For I promised my wife and my child and my little brown dog that I would be home on Christmas Day to eat my share of Christmas pudding and to tell my stories around my own Christmas fire. And he moved on. Well, the wind blew, the snow fell, the trees whipped their branches about, and the storyteller pushed through the snow. And a small branch from a young tree brushed his ear and said, Storyteller, what, what is so important for you to be home? And the storyteller began to tell his story. There were wise men in the east, and when they looked to the heavens, they saw a great star in the sky, and they knew that was the sign of the great birth. And they gathered their things, and they gathered their treasures, and they headed for Bethlehem, where the star would lead them to the Savior of the world. As the storyteller spoke, the wind slowed down, to hear the story. The snow fell lightly so it wouldn't miss a word. And the trees stood up tall to allow the storyteller to pass. And as the trees parted, the storyteller saw ahead of him a light, much like the star which he was been telling about. And he followed that light through the woods, through the storm, through the trees. And as he got close, he saw that it was the candle burning in his very own front window. 
that his wife had lit for him. And as he got close to the house, the door opened and there stood his wife, his child, and his little brown dog, and they embraced. And that day was Christmas Day. And the storyteller did eat his share of Christmas pudding, maybe a little more. And he did tell his stories around his own Christmas fire. You're listening to Access Utah. It's our holiday special. That was Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. Very good. You you said you chose that to uh, maybe introduce people to storytelling. Yes. Uh, storytellers in the past ha- were the form of entertainment. And they would uh, travel from town to town. They would tell stories like this. They would bring news from other towns. They would bring news from family members. And they were the entertainment. There was no TV, no movies. Storytelling was it. And then music came along and then theater came along, and and then we have everything we have today. But storytellers are still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're a storyteller. Yes. That's uh, by profession. Um, and maybe from the audience's point of view, if you could, I'm sure you've talked to people after concerts and, and so forth. At its best, what, did, what does storytelling still do for people? Storytelling connects us. Uh, with each story, we hear a bit of ourselves. And we see the people around us, they're feeling the same thing we're feeling. And unlike uh, electric media or, or books or film who where we can feel something of ourselves, in storytelling, the audience is as much of a participation in the story. And it's a community. Mm-hmm. And we grow together through yeah. stories. Mike Christiansen, uh, as you're listening to... Daniel Bishop talk about storytelling you could apply some of those same ideas to, to music oh, sure I like a, I like the comment he had about uh, connection I think music does a lot of that connects mm-hmm. us together we uh, songs bring back probably memories to us in, in different ways but I think in, in a lot of ways the music connects all of us mm-hmm. let's hear another piece of music and then we'll take a break um, so uh, by the way do you I imagine you have favorites I mean there there are some things that probably people want to hear and you can't escape without playing those are my favorites uh, those are your favorites well that, yeah. that matches up well <laughs> somebody somebody asked me once what my favorite kind of music to play was and i said the man that's writing the check whatever his kind of music <laughs> is is my favorite kind of music yeah to there play. you go but I, I i probably do like all musicians i do have favorites but uh but it's all it's all great stuff mm-hmm. what do we hear next well, we just heard a story about being home for the holidays, so uh, maybe we'll play a little home for the holidays. Very good. Okay.
It's beautiful, beautiful. Guitarist Mike uh, Christiansen, who is a USU professor emeritus of uh, music. We are also joined by Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. You're listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams, it's the holiday special. We're going to take a brief break and come back with more. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams, and it's our holiday special today. I'm joined by guitarist Mike Christiansen, USU Professor Emeritus of Music. He's performing some great tunes for the holidays on the guitar. And we're hearing some stories from Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. I wanted to begin this second half of the program, Daniel Bishop. You mentioned that for part of the year, adults sort of open up to storytelling and then close back off the rest of the year. Then, so what, you perform to children a lot of the year? What happens? I tell stories to uh, libraries and schools. Uh, I'll travel all over, uh, anywhere they'll uh, have me, really. I've been from California to Minnesota, uh, the Canadian border, not crossing, but I've seen Canada, and I've gone all the way down to the Mexican border as well. So it's a pretty large area where I've told stories. Uh, libraries like to bring me in. Their summer reading program is... Uh, very popular for stories, mm-hmm. as as well as just about any holiday you can think of. Uh, we we you know, I don't just tell for Christmas or or Halloween. The the leprechauns do come out in March, and and we do uh, every, every year in August. I'm called upon to tell the great story of Old Ephraim from right here oh, in Logan. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. So uh, you know we all know that uh, children love stories. Yes. Uh, did, we're born with that, do you think? I do believe so. And I think it takes a lot of training to get that out of us. Uh, when children hear the stories, their imaginations come to life again. And they see things that they don't see in their regular lives. And we adults sometimes sit back and say, well, we don't need our imagination anymore. We have reality. But when you see the adults in the audiences, especially these children's shows where they come sometimes reluctantly to be with their children there, and they hear these stories and their imagination sparks up. Their eyes light up just like the kids do. Mm. And y- y- then they ask, where can we hear more? Mm. And you do, I think you have CDs and such. Uh, CDs should be yeah. coming out uh, hopefully uh, mid-January. My first CD will be available for sale uh, if editing goes well. Uh, and throughout the year, more will be coming. And there are festivals, I think, storytelling festivals. Oh, yes. Uh, Festivals this year, I will be uh, going to the Weber State Storytelling Festival in Ogden. Uh, That is uh, the 25th, 26th, and 27th of uh, February. Uh, And that's an amazing festival because they they have it in one place, and all the school kids and anybody else who wants to come are bussed in and hear some uh, great national stories, great local storytellers. They even have youth storytellers from the schools come in and tell stories, and it is an amazing event. Uh, there's also the famous, world-famous Timpanoga Storytelling Festival, which I was able to uh, tell at last last year. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, lots of storytellers all over. Uh, Farmington has one. Uh, Vernal has one. There's lots of them around. So at home, you're, you know, the storyteller. Do you, do you uh, have your portion of the Christmas uh, porridge and, and tell stories around your own Home fire at, around Christmas time? Yeah, I probably actually tell more than my children like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've heard most of my stories before, but at Christmas time, they like they like for me to repeat. Uh, they like for me to tell the story of Rudolph. I I tell it a little differently than you see on TV, but uh, I'll tell the story of Rudolph and Frosty. But uh, yeah, they like to hear what I come up with new. Those are their favorites. Those are. Oh, very good. Uh, Mike Christiansen, I'm curious about your. You know, you're gathered with your family around your home fire. Did a lot of music happens, does it? Um, yes and no. When when we all, my children are all grown and have families and scattered around the country. And uh, when we do get together, sometimes we do. Everybody sort of has their own thing going. Two of my children are professional musicians. Mm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, everybody plays a little bit. When the kids were growing up, we had a family band. And uh, performed some. I was doing my professional thing, but we had a, a family band to get the kids involved. And uh, so, what instruments? Uh, when we did the family thing, yeah, mean? yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, my one son was on guitar. Uh, my son, that is now a surgeon, uh, played bass with us, and he decided to go off into surgery so that is he, he can have something to fall back on. He's the black sheep, I guess. So he, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I have a daughter that uh, plays piano. And uh, and then I have uh, my wife is a great singer, 
sings and, and plays piano. And then I have a daughter that uh, played uh, pan lid. Pan lid? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's quite the pan lid virtuoso. <laughs> so we worked a pan lid into, yeah. the, into the act. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, rehearsals were a little iffy, but the performances mm-hmm. were fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They were great. Yeah. You're listening to Axis Utah. It's our holiday special. And we're listening to Daniel Bishop, the storyteller, another story of his coming up shortly. Mike Christiansen is a guitarist and is a USU professor emeritus of, of music. Great holiday standard, isn't it? It yeah. is. Yep. Yeah, just great a, tune. creates a creates a, a beautiful mood. Yeah. By the way, I, I, I just occurred to me you mentioned the Brazilian music. Yes. That you're involved with beautiful uh-huh. beautiful stuff. Yeah. You you went to Brazil. I did. To, as you Took said, part to, of a sabbatical to, to, to lose your accent, as it were. That's it. Accent. I wanted to lose my musical accent. Uh, do you? Is there, is there any holiday music in Brazilian style? You, oh, you yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take a lot of tunes and turn them into a Brazilian uh, style. I, I I haven't done it with too many yeah, of yeah. them, but it but it could be done instead of playing something straight like. You could probably. You know, oh, that, yeah, that's do a little God rest nice. Mary Samba. Yeah, yeah. Or something. yeah. <laughs> that did sound great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those Brazilian concerts are our favorites. I think of many. Oh, thank you. We we really have fun doing the group as an evening in Brazil, and uh, it's um, it's been a real pleasure working with the, with the ensemble. Yeah, let's hear another tune before we hear uh, another story from Daniel Bishop. Okay, well, let's do uh, a little God rest you, merry gentlemen, but maybe in the style of a great guitar player, Chet Atkins. Remember, Chet Chet always used to play with his Merle Travis and Chet played with his alternating thumb. 
could hear this thumb doing this while the fingers were playing the melody. So here's a God, here's a little bit of a God rescue chat. <laughs> Very gentle. Very good. It's uh, God rest you, married gentlemen, in style, Chet Atkins. Yeah, right. That's Mike Christiansen, the guitarist and uh, USU Professor Emeritus of Music. We're enjoying some music played by him on Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's our holiday special. And we also have with us uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. We're talking about uh, Brazilian music with Mike. Uh, Daniel, I imagine when you go to a storytelling festival, you can really get to know a region or a state or an area by the stories that come out of that place. Oh, yes. Uh, you can always tell... Uh what a people are like by the stories they're telling. Um, uh, amazingly enough, everywhere you go, sometimes you'll see similar stories, but they'll be completely different point of view, completely different access. The The Cinderella story is universal, but in uh, Native American culture, she was little burn face. In, in, in China, she didn't have a glass slipper, but she had a silk robe. And so many other things is out there. And with the Christmas stories all over the Christian world, these stories come out and you'll hear wonderful different variations. Well, Daniel, let's, let's hear another story from you. All this right. This is Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. It was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day and the child wandered through the streets of the great city, taking in the lights and the sounds. But you could tell by looking at the child that it did not have a place to go. His coat was old and thin. He did not own a pair of gloves, and there was a hole in his left shoe. But it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day, and how can a child be sad on Christmas Day? And as he wandered through the incredibly rich part of town where the houses were large and the lawns were lush and beautiful, he looked in the windows and saw giant Christmas trees, decorated with gold and silver ornaments. He saw beautiful packages wrapped beneath them, and he thought, surely, surely somebody here will share their Christmas with me. And he ran to a big door, and he knocked on it, and the door slowly opened, and there stood a very stern butler who looked down at the child and said, It is Christmas Day. The family does not wish to be disturbed. No beggars today and closed the door in the child's face. As the child wandered off the property, the wind blew and penetrated the thin coat, and his head was low, and he wandered through the city. But it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day. How can a child be sad on Christmas Day? And the child looked up, and he found himself in a more modest part of town. The houses were smaller but they were still beautifully decorated, some with great Christmas trees in their front windows. The child ran to one particular tree that still had some presents under the tree and hanging from it were fruits and candies. 
As he looked in, he saw littered across the floor wrapping paper and children playing amongst the wrapping paper with their new toys, their dolls, their, their stuffed animals, their, their trucks and trains. And he thought, surely, surely this family will share their Christmas with me. And he knocked on the window and smiled in at them. And the oldest girl put her doll down and rushed to the window and looked at the child and then closed the curtains. The child's head hung low. And as he stepped off the sidewalk into the street, there was a puddle and the water seeped in to his shoe and his hands were cold. And he wandered for a while with his head low, trying to stay warm. But it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day. How can a child be sad on Christmas Day? And he looked up and he found himself in a very poor part of town, where the houses were small and very close together. And there was very few decorations and no trees in any of the windows. But a few of the doors had wreaths hung upon them. And as he wandered through and the sun started to set, he saw a light ahead of him, a bright, shining, warm light. And as he followed the light, it, he found a candle glowing through a window. The candle was set on a table, and next to the candle was a, a tin cup with one sprig of evergreen sticking out of it, with a paper star on top as a Christmas tree. As the child looked through the window, he saw a mother sitting in an armchair with a babe in one arm and a little girl nestled up to her, staying warm on Christmas. And the child thought, maybe this family will share their Christmas with me. And he knocked on the window, and the mother looked up and saw him, and an expression of surprise came upon her face. And she whispered to the little girl, and the little girl ran to the door and opened it and shouted into the darkness, Come in! Come in! And she reached her hand into the darkness. And the child took her hand, and she led her, him in right to her mother. And as only mothers can do, she picked up this child and wrapped a blanket around him and warmed his cheeks, his hands, and his toes and hugged him close. And then she sat the child on her lap, with the babe lying in the cradle at her feet and her little girl snuggled into her side, the mother, she began to tell the stories of Christmas. And there were in that same shepherd, field shepherds watching over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. The little girl looked up, because she thought the candle had gotten brighter in the room. But she couldn't tell the candle was any different, but it was definitely brighter. And the shepherds went with haste to the stable, and when they found the child wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger, they bowed down and worshipped him. The mother looked around because the room was warm and cheerful, much warmer than her little fire could ever, ever create. And as the shepherds left, rejoicing, they told everyone of the great news which they had witnessed and felt and loved. The little girl looked at her mother, and with a small shriek of surprise, her mother looked down at her, and the child was gone. The mother was holding an empty blanket, but left behind was the light and the warmth of Christmas. Oh, that mother scooped up her little girl and scooped up her babe and held them close to her and whispered into their ears, Children, we just shared our Christmas with the Christmas child. And so can we all. You're listening to Axis Utah. It's our holiday special. I'm Tom Williams with Daniel Bishop, the storyteller, and guitarist Mike Christiansen, USU Professor Emeritus of uh, Music. Let's hear another couple of selections, Mike. Okay. Um, I'll play Silent Night for you. That's, as a lot of people know, and Daniel probably is familiar with this, uh, there's a story of uh, Silent Night that, that was uh, written on the guitar, the very first Silent Night written on the guitar. As you may know, the 
fellow was hired to go to a community and write a, a song for Christmas. And when he got to the town, the organ was busted. There's a little bit of um, question of whether the mice had eaten through the billows or what the problem was. But at any rate, the organ was not working. So Mr. Gruber lived in the area, and he had a guitar. And he said, maybe we could write it on the, on the guitar. And so this piece was composed originally on the guitar. Now, I'm thinking that the original probably just had the accompaniment. Silent night, holy. So it probably just had some kind of accompaniment with it. But possibly a little bit of the melody entered into it there. So maybe if we close our eyes for a minute, we can go back to the original Silent Night um, as it was composed on the guitar. I'll play the first half in kind of the old what may have been the original version, and then uh, ham it up just a little bit, spice it up and embellish it some, make it a little more contemporary. Silent Night, performed by Mike Christiansen. There's something special about that music. It, it tends to be Silent Night that closes concerts and, and functions. Just, a, you know, when a composer gets a melody right, it's right. And sometimes it doesn't have to be complicated to be right. And uh, there are certain tunes that you just don't mess with you know, that much. Um, Silent Night is one of them. Another example, I guess, would be maybe Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You yeah. just don't mess with that tune. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, it's perfect the way it is. And uh, Silent Night, as simple as it is, and it's, it's nice because it's so user-friendly. I think that's one of the reasons it's so uh, popular is because it's very user-friendly. People can remember it. They've been doing it forever. Uh, easy to sing, and uh, all the parts of the puzzle come together. Yeah, when you started playing that, I had the impulse to sing along. It was, you know, it's, uh, it has that effect. You have. It? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that wouldn't have been so nice for the listeners. I don't think we, but, we could have yeah. uh, Daniel read the tell the story in the background. That's right. That's moment. right. Yes. Let's hear another piece of music, and then we'll have uh, Daniel tell another uh, short uh, short story. Okay. All right. This is a version of Green Sleeves. What child is this? Is the other title. This time of year, it's usually known as What Child Is This. <laughs> Thank you. 
It's Mike Christiansen on the guitar. As you say, that uh, that does double duty, doesn't it? Green sleeves, but in this time of year, it's What Child Is This? Yeah, What Child Is This? And in the middle of that, I stuck an original composition called Dreamcatcher, which is a piece I wrote some years ago and uh, entitled it not necessarily after uh, the Native American Dreamcatcher, but uh, just because that year I was able to catch a lot of dreams. Oh. And uh, every once in a while that happens. And uh, sometimes I think this time of year we all reflect back on the, the great things that happened to us during the year and the dreams we were able to catch. So it seemed appropriate to stick that in the middle. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's turn back to uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. Do you, you have another story for us? I do. Up by the ranch, the old horse and the cow sat in their stalls and listened to the children tell the stories of Christmas. And as the children told the story of Santa Claus with his reindeer flying across the sky, delivering presents to the children of the world, horse's pride was hurt. Deer pulling a sleigh? Now, horse had been retired from any sort of heavy work for a long time, but to hear of deer taking over for his work was more than he could bear. And he wished anything that he could prove that a horse was better than a deer. But as the children ran around the barn playing their games, boy took a wrong step from the loft and fell and landed on the floor hard. And he didn't move. And girl panicked and ran into the house. And short time later, mother and father came in. And they looked at the boy, and he was alive, but he was hurt very badly. As they opened the door to the barn, The snow had been falling heavy, and the road was completely blocked. There was no way to get the car through. And the mother and father worried. But horse, horse, loving the boy and knowing, and knowing that he was better than a reindeer, reached up with his teeth and grabbed hold of the saddle and pulled it from the wall. Man didn't hesitate. He whipped that saddle onto the horse as fast as he could. He gathered up his boy and wrapped him in a blanket. And off they went into the snow. And horse ran faster than he'd ever run in his life, proving that a horse was better than a reindeer. But as they ran through the snow, it got deeper and deeper, and the snow blew in their faces. And horse could tell that man could no longer see where he was going. But Horse knew the way to town. Horse knew the way to town, but as he came around the bend towards the river, he saw that the bridge had been washed away and that the river was high and flooded with the blizzard. Horse did not let man see. He flared his head high, flipped his mane up so that the man would not see, and Horse charged. Horse charged as fast as he could towards that edge, and as he reached where the bridge was, he jumped. And horse, like the reindeer in the story, flew across that river. You should have seen the look on the faces of those emergency room operators as a horse rode up to the door. It had been a slow night, as not many were out in that storm. But they ran out, and they took Boy in, and they found that he had a good knock on the head. And he was to be sore, but he would be fine. But if he had not got to the hospital in time, it could have been much, much worse. Horse stood out by the door in the snow with his head high, and he looked up, and on the window of the hospital was a picture of a sleigh being pulled by a reindeer. And he thought to himself, if that man in the sleigh only knew how powerful horses were, especially when we're on errands of love. And that was the story of when horse flew like a reindeer. That is uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. So, uh, Daniel Bishop, where can people go to, to find your material? Oh, please come to DanielBishopTheStoryteller.com or uh, find me on Facebook with Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. I will mention at this point I have started a YouTube page as well where you can see some of my stories and more will be coming as they get recorded. 
Daniel Bishop, the storyteller, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, guitarist Mike Christiansen has been with us. He's USU professor emeritus of, of music. Again, where can people find your music? Lightwoodduo.com, MikeChristiansen.com, or when I'm in town, come down to the Lenone restaurant on Friday night. <laughs> All right, very good. And for producers uh, Katie Swain and Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Our thanks as well to our chief engineer at UPR, Friend Weller, for his help with this program. And, of course, a big thanks to Mike Christiansen and uh, Daniel Bishop. And thank you for listening to our Access Utah Holiday Special. Mike, what are you going to play us out with? Let's do a little uh, My Favorite Things. Mm-hmm.